Hello and welcome to this latest installment of Barnard's on the NBA. I am your host, Matt Barnard, and I'm joined here by my co-host and son, Emilio. Hey, it's Emilio. In this episode, we're going to be continuing our discussion of the best lineups that one could put together of NBA players based upon where they played in college. Now, so far, we've uh, been attacking mostly uh, colleges that have had quite a few pros, uh, notable pros <laughs> coming yes. from them. And, uh, you know, Mills and I like to uh, like to go at each other a little bit and uh, come up with uh, with, with interesting, uh, interesting tasks along these lines, mess with each other a little bit. I initially had the thought maybe we'd uh, we do an episode involving something, some teams like uh, like Duquesne, perhaps, or uh, who knows, Bemidji State. Hard, hard to say. We wanted to do um, San Francisco. Wanted to do San Francisco, and maybe we'll get to those teams eventually. But Meals, uh, Meals had something uh, in mind for us to uh, to work on himself. So I'm very excited about this one. So it's- here, here we are doing Bowling Green and Louisiana Tech. As we do on these episodes, we're going to break it down position by position, starting at the center spot, followed by power forward, small forward, shooting guard, and point guard. All right. Well, 16 players from uh, from Bowling Green who have uh, suited up in the NBA. Let's get right to it, Mills. Who you got at center? I got Rashawn Holmes. Rashawn Holmes. Tell me a little bit about uh, about Rashawn Holmes, an active player. Yeah, he's pretty good. I mean, um, uh, you said yesterday um, that he was popping threes, but he actually took zero threes this year. Uh, the last two years, yeah, he hasn't taken any threes. He was taking some threes uh, earlier in his career, but has uh, – Remove those from his game in favor of becoming just an outstanding uh, scorer from the field, right? I mean, his field goal percentage. Is yeah, incredible. nickname is Dunkman. Yeah, so t- tell me. So you watched some video about uh, Rashawn Holmes, didn't you? I mean, like, what did you see from him on the court? Yeah, just like very, very powerful. Yeah, I mean, a guy who's six ten, two forty is what he's listed. Uh, Dunkman uh, as a nickname, as you mentioned, we're referring to uh, Basketball Reference. Uh, Absolutely essential source for us in uh, researching the material for these episodes. Uh, so he's really adjusted to a game where he's only taking shots that he can make, more or less. I mean, 65% from the floor, that's outstanding in any era, I mean, uh, you know, against any competition. Yeah, and he's almost like 60% for his career so far. Yeah, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. Now, he hasn't played for that long yet. I mean, this guy is in his fifth NBA season right now uh, with well, the Kings. He's the only played 38 games so far. Yeah, I mean, probably some injury issues, that that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what uh, what kept him off the court this year, but uh, certainly, you know, a guy whose uh, production is is on the upswing as uh, as he heads, yes. you know, further into his career, his age 27 season coming up next year. Uh, I went a different direction. I went with uh, with the big man, Charlie, Chuck Scher, uh, 6'11", uh, 235 guy who played uh, way back in the day, started playing in uh, 1951 and wrapped up his career in 1960, just a longer career than uh, than Rashawn Holmes to date. I mean, I, I certainly agree that Rashawn Holmes could top him. I mean, Chuck Scher playing in a very different era of NBA basketball where you could shoot 40% from the floor like he did. I mean, a far cry from uh, Rashawn Holmes' uh, shooting. But, uh, you know, useful uh, NBA big for, uh, for a long time, selected first overall in the draft back in – 1950 by the Celtics. That was the second draft, right? Uh, it was really early on. I don't know. Was it the second? Uh, to start in 1949? No, I think it was um, the third. The third NBA draft. So, yeah, from, from way, way back in the day. But uh, certainly did Bowling Green proud uh, back then. So that's what we got at, uh, at center. How about at power forward? I got um, Nate Thurmond. 
Yeah, tell me a little about, about Nate Thurman. I mean, this guy's a, a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah. So, so give me some of his uh, – uh, some notes on Nate Thurman. I know you watched uh, watched some video of this guy, uh, as yeah. did I. Really hadn't had much experience with yeah. him prior very to very powerful also. He – amazing on defense. Seven-time All-Star. Five-time All-Defense. Yeah, I mean, a, a really, really impressive uh, physical specimen, to be sure. A, a guy who had a lot of impact on the defensive end. Had some seasons where he scored as well, but, I mean, kind of like other big men of his day. I mean, this guy started his career in uh, 1963 and played until 77. Yeah, he averaged like 2.9 blocks a game in one year. Yeah, he's actually an interesting one to discuss around blocks because I, mean, I feel like his, uh, his impact – in terms of how he looks as a career, uh, in terms of how his career looks, probably blunted a little bit by the fact they didn't start keeping track of blocks until 73, 74, when he was well into his career. As you noted, the first two years they were keeping track, 2.9 and 2.4 blocks per game. So obviously yeah. really impacted yeah. shots. But listen to this. Listen to this. His free throw percentage one year was 74%. That, that impresses you? Yes. Well, he had. Uh... Oh, I actually, I thought that was, um, I thought that was um, the um, the overall field goal percentage. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So his field goal percentage was actually pretty low. I mean, he's got a forty-two percent uh, from the floor for his career. But like we were saying, I mean, it's a different game back when he was playing, and uh, you know, it's reflected there. And I mean, look, he's a Hall of Famer. So I mean, obviously, well respected among his peers as well. Uh, sadly, no longer with us. Very consistent, forty-two wear his entire career as well. How about at uh, small forward? Who'd you have there? Um, I went with Walter Pajkowski. All right. Now, now, now we're getting. Uh, you're talking about Walter uh, Pajkowski. Yeah. Okay. Give me, give me a little on uh, on the man known as Walt. His only ever award was 68-69 All Rookie Team. Yeah. So that was a good job by him. <laughs> and any other uh, any other thoughts? This is a, a brief career. Three years in the career. But, 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 he averaged 9.3 points per game for his career. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, was um, got off to a pretty decent start in his career. I mean, it started out with the Denver Rockets of the uh, ABA in 68-69 uh, and had a pretty productive season. I mean, you could imagine at age 23 a guy who uh, – He might have got, like, injured or something. Yeah, I mean, that that's uh, – well, I looked into this a little bit. He um, – he – uh, was on the Denver Rockets uh, his second year. His, his production dropped off a little bit after his first year. Uh, they had um, Spencer Haywood join the uh, the Denver Rockets when he was there, and he saw his playing time uh, drop off. I mean, he went from 24 minutes a game to uh, 17 and a half or so minutes per game, uh, and, and his production dropped off accordingly. He uh, he retired at that point and went to work as a teacher. And, uh, and basically, I mean, he was almost done with basketball at that point, came back for a few games with the ABA's uh, The Floridians, in uh, in 71 72 but uh basically his basketball career was done but not his time in basketball because he ended up raising a son who went on to a much longer nba career yeah was, uh, eric um, Piankowski. yeah he looks like um joey chestnut yeah t- take a look at a picture of eric Piankowski. you'll see exactly what uh, meals is talking about definitely a similar look to uh to joey chestnut so interesting and probably uh the longest uh segment on walt Piankowski you're ever going to hear on a podcast so uh Enjoy that one. Uh, so I had at, uh, at, at power forward, um, into, or sorry, at, not at power forward, at, uh, at small forward, uh, Antonio Daniels. Yeah. Um, 
not really his position, to be honest. I mean, he's uh, he's definitely a guard, uh, more of a. I mean, I definitely thought of him more as a point guard during his career than as a uh, yeah. as a shooting guard or as a small forward. Yeah, I I actually have him on my team at shooting guard. Yeah, I have him on my team at shooting guard. Yeah, I mean, he, he I mean, there's not a lot to choose from in these Bowling Green teams. I mean, he's uh, number four overall pick back in the '97 uh, draft. Uh, you know, didn't really live up to that uh, draft. Uh, spot I wouldn't say I mean but less than the league for 13 years so did hang around was useful I, he won uh won a title on that uh on, on the Spurs uh, early in his career as a uh, as a reserve player not a ton to say about him honestly I mean he's you know definitely a, a very much a reserve and, uh, and and someone who didn't contribute at, at an incredibly high level during his career but you know a veteran and a guy who has a spot on this team which uh, which slot did you have him at I have him at the um at the two yeah, so we, got, we can move right into, unless you have more to say on Antonio Daniels, we can move right into uh, my choice for the for the two, which was Al Bianchi, the man known as Blinky. <laughs> uh, from uh, Long Island City uh, in Queens, place I know uh, reasonably well. Uh, my mother having uh, taught uh, taught there for, uh, for a lot of years, spent a lot of time in Long Island City uh, passing through there. Uh, Al Bianchi uh, started out with the uh, with the Syracuse Nationals, uh, played uh, a bunch of years in the league, ten years or so, and um, <clears throat> you know not, not a terribly remarkable uh, career, but I mean a guy who lasted for a while, uh, you know bench player for the most part, but um, uh, contributed quite a bit as a coach as well. I mean later in his career, um, took over as uh, as a player coach uh, with um, uh, the. Uh, Sonics uh, back in uh, 67, 68, and, and went on to uh, to coach the uh, Virginia Squires of the ABA uh, in his early yeah. 30s and his 40s. Yeah. Assistant coach for a little bit, too. Yeah, coached some pretty notable players in the ABA. I mean, I mentioned uh, to Mills uh, just before the podcast that uh, he was uh, Dr. J's coach as he was a rookie coming out of UMass and uh, went on to a pretty long uh, coaching career, both as a uh, as a head coach and as an assistant with the Suns for a long time. So definitely had uh, had a considerable impact on, uh, on basketball during his, uh, during his time in the league. Yeah. Unfortunately he's, um, he died last year. Yeah, that is too bad. Uh, we're, we're sorry. We give our best to his family. Um, all right. So which direction did you go at, uh, at, at point guard? I went with Howard Gomez. All right. Now, now we're, now we're getting into the dregs a little bit. So tell me a little bit about, uh, about Butch. Um, 64, 65 all rookie team. I mean, yeah, he made the all rookie team, had some seasons where he was able to, uh, you know, put up double digits in, uh, in points on average, played a little with the Pistons as well. And, and after starting out with the Knicks, uh, yeah, really just indicative of, uh, of how little there is uh, to work with at, uh, at Bowling Green in terms of alums. One might wonder why we, uh, why we chose to do this episode, but Hey, I mean, we're, we're embracing the madness and, uh, and uh, talking about Howard Comives on a podcast uh, for, for a bit. So I also had uh, Howard Comives at point guard because, like, you know, what, what else are you going to do? So let's, uh, let's, let's run down our teams before we, uh, before we move on, on and uh, so, talk um, about anyone else who might want to come. Um, Bowling Green, I have center, Rashawn Holmes, power forward, Nate Thurmond, small forward, Rose Puskowski. Um, Walter Piatkowski, that is. <laughs> um, shooting guard, Antonio Daniels. And point guard Howard Comas. And I had uh, Chuck Scherer at center, Nate Thurmond at power forward, Antonio Daniels at the three, Al Bianchi, Blinky at, uh, at the two, and Howard Comives, uh, Butch at the, uh, at the one. Is there anyone else from uh, Bowling Green who you wanted to discuss? 
there were, as we mentioned before, 16 players who played uh, at Bowling Green who uh, went on to play in the NBA. Yeah. Um, Don Oten and Mac Oten. Both yeah, Don Oten and Mac Oten. These guys are uh, brothers, if you can believe that. Yeah, two guys who are both named uh, Otten. Uh, Big Don uh, got got some more run in the league than uh, than his brother did. Yeah, he's okay, player. Yeah, I mean he he contributed for for a few years. Um, anybody else? Um. How about Cornelius Cash? I mean, I, I know you you were, you were thinking about <laughs> about getting him on one of these teams. Extremely cool name, I, I would say, Cornelius Cash. I mean, Cornelius is cool. Cash is cool. Cornelius Cash. It's all cool. <laughs> what were we thinking about uh, about in terms of him? Yeah. Um, there's not that many good small forwards. I know he played power forward, but he's 6'8". Yeah, I mean, he got six games in, in the league. So, I mean, he's you know he's someone you could consider when uh, looking at, at Bowling Green history. I mean, he averaged 3.5 points a game. Yeah, I mean, it's, you can't really argue with that. All right, before we uh, get, get too, too deep into the weeds, we're going to uh, take a break and we'll come back in just a few minutes with uh, a little more star-studded uh, group on the uh, Louisiana Tech alums. And we're back to uh, con- continue our conversation and discuss uh, the players from Louisiana Tech who made our lineups from uh, based on how they performed in the NBA. Mills, who you got at center? I got Mike Green. Count. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, you're talking about his nickname. Mike Count Green. What uh, what can you tell us about Count Mills? Why did you pick him? Um, he's a one-time All-Star. I mean, he's ever um, 17 points per game and two years of his career. Yeah, this guy was a decent player. Yeah, played some in the in the ABA to start his career and then uh, moved over to the ABA to the NBA. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, an, an All-Star, an ABA All-Star back in uh, his second season at age 23. Uh, as you mentioned, scored uh, 17 points per game in uh, back-to-back years early in his career. Uh, there's quite, quite a bit of uh, big man talent at uh, Louisiana Tech, but you, you felt that uh, Mike Green was the, the guy to slot in there at center? Yes. Uh, yeah, number four overall pick back in the uh, 1973 NBA draft. Uh, don't know a ton about him outside of uh, the research that we did here, but uh, certainly a solid choice here among the uh, eight players who have ever uh, played in the NBA who attended Louisiana Tech. So we, we're, we're kind of uh, we're going to be fudging a little bit here uh, in terms of the positions. But Mike Green, a legitimate center, I think. How about at, uh, at Power Forward? Which direction did you go there, Mills? I went with um, P.J. Brown. Cool. So, yeah, P.J. Brown is a, a player who I remember uh, from his career. Played, uh, I was drafted in 1992 and I remember watching him for a lot of his career. Uh, what can you tell me about uh, P.J. Brown? Yeah, this guy, three-time all-defensive team. Yeah, he won a title with the Celtics in the last year of his career. Wasn't that great then, but did yeah. win the title. Yeah, he was uh, like one of the veterans they brought in to kind of be on the end of the bench and uh, provide some uh, some leadership and uh, you know minutes where they needed it. But yeah, pretty nice for him to uh, have finally got to uh, got a ring in, in the final year of, uh, of a long career that began at age uh, 24. A lot of times when you're looking at some of these older uh, players, their careers started later than a lot of guys who – have come along more recently. P.J. Brown's first season, as I said, at age uh, 24. But a guy who really established himself over the course of his career. I mean, almost uh, 1,100 uh, career uh, regular season games, almost 1,000 career starts. I mean, just like a really stout presence inside, big man who uh, could really hold his own in the paint. Definitely uh, featured in uh, in some of those classic battles between the Knicks and Heat back in the uh, late 90s. And 
you know, guy who mattered in the NBA for a long time. I think, uh, you know, certainly someone Louisiana Tech can be proud of as an alumnus. Uh, second round pick too. So a guy who really uh, outperformed out, uh, his, uh, his draft position. And a man uh, known apparently as Big Cat, although I don't remember ever hearing that uh, during his career. I had uh, I had PJ Brown at uh, at my center spot actually. How about uh, how about at uh, small forward for you, bud? I went with Carl Malone. Wow, Carl Malone. So yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, about Carl Malone. This guy, he was an All Star. 14 times, two-time All-Star Game MVP, two-time regular season MVP, um, four-time All-Defensive Team, four-time Team-Time All-NBA, 11-time First Team. Yeah. Yeah, just an outstanding player. I mean, really, one of of the all-time greats. I mean, sometimes, you know, you hear uh, Carl Malone uh, knocked a little bit because, I mean, he, he was never maybe the best, best player in the league on talent. I mean, he played at a time where you know, he's going up against the likes of, you know, Jordan and Hakeem and, I mean, some, you know, really, really elite players all Patrick time. Ewing. Absolutely. And, you know, that, that's a tall order to uh, stack up against those guys. But what we always talk about when we talk about Cole Malone is just the the consistency across his career. I mean, yeah, the almost, mailman. The mailman, exactly. I mean, he always delivers, um, delivering, uh, Cars is still at this point in his life. I mean, he's got a bunch of auto dealerships out in the out in the Midwest. Um, yeah, almost fifteen hundred uh, career regular season games. I mean, the the just quantity of the stats that he put up over the course of his career is just amazing. I mean, anything you want to add there? I mean, some of the stats we were just looking at. Yeah, he averaged twenty five points a game for his career. And there was only two years that he didn't average um, over twenty points a game. Yeah, and just like the bookends of his career, right? Just as he was getting going and then uh, down, down the end of his career when he finally succumbed to some injuries. I mean, you know, you look at the games played across his entire career. I mean, he's at like 80, 81 or 82 virtually every season. Except for the lockout season. Right, exactly. I mean, he you know, couldn't possibly have played 80 games in, uh, in, in that year. But, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, back-to-back finals appearances, uh, never got over the hump, uh, played in, in three finals. Uh, against the Pistons in the final year of his career as well. Uh, you know, we were looking at it before. I mean, all-time leader in free throws made and attempted. Yeah. Which really, I mean, you know, gives you gives you a sense of where, I mean, and, and by a lot in both those categories, really gives you a sense of uh, of what uh, Carl Malone was able to accomplish in his career and, and how he was able to stay on the court uh, for, for a, you know, just an, an incredibly long amount of time. Anything you want to say about, uh, about Carl Malone, just like having watched, uh, you know, highlights of him? I mean, like what, what it was like to see him play? Yeah, the turnaround jumper. Yeah, I mean his his signature shot probably uh, just that 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 sweet little spin around and, uh, and and pop. Really a pretty good shooter. I mean for for a guy who's who's a big man and you know uh, put up a uh, you know fifty one percent shooting percentage over the course of his career. Uh, could shoot it you know from a little bit away from the basket as well for sure. Mm-hmm. Never extended his game out to three because you know the game that wasn't prioritized for a power forward yeah. back in his day. I mean, but you imagine he might have been able to extend. Uh, further out. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so clearly the best player ever from uh, Louisiana Tech and really one of the best players of all time. I mean, you know, uh, well worth watching some uh, Carl Malone highlights if, uh, if you haven't seen him play. Just a really dominating physical force. And, uh, you know, you just don't see too many players who uh, who have his kind of level of physicality and consistency. So, yeah, uh, Paul, uh, Carl Malone uh, kind of uh, uh, squeezed in here at the small forward for you. I mean, this is uh, obviously not his natural position. No. I yeah. know you had it at the power forward. 
I did. I, I kind of switched this around. Uh, I, I had uh, Mike Green as my uh, as my small forward, but again, you're kind of just like squeezing these guys in. I mean, this not exactly uh, the ideal position for any of these players. But as we mentioned, only eight players have ever uh, made the NBA from Louisiana Tech. So, kind of, uh, yeah, you, you got you got to make do with what with what you can. How about at the uh, at the two? I got um, Paul Millsap. Yeah, so another guy who definitely needs to be on this team, another guy who's definitely out of position at the, at the two, not, not a <laughs> yes. position he ever really played. But uh, tell me a little bit about Paul Millsap, obviously an active player. Yeah, he's been in the league for 13 years, four-time All-Star, all with the Hawks. Yeah, his all his All-Star appearances, yeah, all, all with the Hawks. Yeah, I mean, a guy who, who, who uh, put up really big numbers as, a, as a, a college player as well. I mean, you know, he's one of these guys who uh, rated really well in the kind of advanced uh, translations, you know, looking at how his performance in college would, you know, translate to performance in the pros because, I mean, he got a ton of rebounds. I mean, he was a, you know, inside scorer. And, you know, I, I think it happened kind of slowly. I mean, he, you know, wasn't a starter the first couple of years in the league, was a consistent bench guy coming, uh, coming in for the Jazz. I mean, after being drafted, I think in the uh, in the second round, yeah, the forty seventh pick overall in the two thousand six. Surprising. Yeah, I mean, well, he he slipped a lot. I mean, I think having gone to Louisiana Tech and having been kind of undersized. I mean, he's uh, six seven. Power uh, forward. Yeah, definitely worked against him. But you know, I mean, he's more than proved his ability to hang in the NBA. I mean, you know, still a really strong contributor on both ends at uh, age thirty four. This most recent season with uh, with the Nuggets. You know he's going to factor in in uh, in the restart here as the as the Nuggets come back. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, what made you uh, go with him at, at the at the two? I mean, uh, understanding that you know you you know he's out of position here, but we're, we're working with what we got. He's fast. He can handle the ball. Yeah, and probably a little closer in terms of size uh, fit, in terms of height. Yes, yeah. At six seven. Yeah, that that all makes sense to me. And I, I had uh, Paul Millsap here too, despite obviously. The uh, ridiculousness of putting him at the uh, at the two uh, position he would never actually play on the court. All right, how about at the point? Now we're now we're speaking of uh, guys who don't belong at their positions. Uh, where, where'd you go at, at point guard? Jackie Moreland. Okay, well I, I can't imagine too many of our listeners uh, have have a lot of experience with uh, Jackie Moreland. So why don't you just give us some of the some of the basics on this guy? Well, um, um, it, I I don't think there's that much um, to say about this guy. I mean. He was six seven. He was a power forward. <laughs> uh, fourth overall pick in the nineteen sixty draft. Played uh, some in the ABA and some in the NBA. Uh, played on the Pistons in the in the NBA. But yeah, I mean, you know, not definitely not a point guard, but you know, someone who actually played NBA and ABA minutes. I mean, uh, five hundred eighty two games in his career. Um, you know, pr- provided some value. I mean, you know, I think that's that's about the the, the best you could say. I mean, was a double digit uh, scorer in the ABA. Uh, you know, close to 15 points per game in a couple of years, played upwards of, uh, of you know, played around 30 minutes a game in uh, in his three years in the ABA. So a contributor, but, you know, definitely shoehorned in here at the uh, the point guard. I had him as well because of the other options that there are on uh, Louisiana Tech. So let, let's just run down our uh, our teams here, and we can uh, then get to uh, any other players that we might need to mention because there are three other players. So. Yeah. Um, um, Louisiana Tech, center, Mike Green, Power forward, P.J. Brown. Small forward, Carl Malone. Shooting guard, Paul Millsap. Point guard, Jackie Moreland. Yeah, and I had uh, center, P.J. Brown. Power forward, Carl Malone. Uh, small forward, Mike Green. Uh, shooting guard, um, Paul Millsap. And point guard, Jackie Moreland. Now let's get to uh, the remaining players. Now, I, it's uh, 
you know, not very well kept secret around here that uh, Mills has been uh, dying to talk about this next player. We initially had uh, Florida teed up for an episode, and I'm sure we'll get to them soon. And, uh, you know, we didn't end up doing that. We pushed that off a little bit for uh, for reasons we don't need to get into right here. But, uh, you know, upon suggesting uh, Louisiana Tech, I was looking at their players, and, uh, of course, who's going to show up there but uh, but Rich Peak, who, uh, who attended both uh, both Florida and Louisiana Tech, and here we are talking about him. Mills, all right, do your, do your Rich Peak spiel. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Don't really have that much to say about Rich Peak. <laughs> Rich Peak uh, appeared on the uh, Dallas uh, Chaparrals back in 67-68, uh, a team coached by uh, Cliff Hagen. This was the first year of their existence, a team that went on to uh, join the NBA and become the Spurs. So uh, just, uh, you know, the beginnings of uh, of the Spurs. Uh, pretty, pretty successful uh, opening season, made it to the uh, ABA Western Division Finals where they lost to the, uh, you know, the New Orleans Buccaneers. <laughs> you know, we we talk about them periodically. I'm pretty uh, sure that's where um, um, Jackie Moore would play in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah in, in the ABA as well. So yeah, I mean, I know if you're thinking about the uh, six, seven, sixty-eight chaparrals, you know, maybe uh, you know, Rich Peak doesn't isn't the first guy that jumps to mind. I mean, that being his only year in the league, you're probably thinking more about uh, about the gun, you know, Bob Verga. But um, it, you know. <laughs> He definitely was one of like the top, you know, ten or twelve contributors on that uh, Chaparral's team. So, you know, his, his one uh, year in the league, not uh, not not totally for naught. So we got uh, a couple more guys from um, from Louisiana Tech. Who you want to uh, to jump into next? I mean, you want, you want to talk Randy White, or you want to talk about, uh, you know, E? Uh, e. All right. So yeah, what, what do you got on E? This is uh, Eric McCree, guy who uh, currently uh, bowling out in uh, in, in France. Uh, but did manage to get a couple of minutes in the NBA. Two minutes in the league. Come on, four games. Yeah, he played uh, p- played a couple of minutes with uh, with the Jazz back in uh, 2017-2018. You think he's uh, still got a shot? No, not really. All right. How about um, <laughs> Randy White? You think? Uh, I mean, this, this uh, Randy White, number eight overall pick, actually in uh, 1989. So a guy who uh, something was thought of uh, back in back in those times. Yeah, his nickname is Bird. I mean. Yeah, his nickname's Bird. I mean, you know, he wore number thirty-three, so I wonder if that uh, that factored into it. Bird thirty-three, you know, like that must <laughs> be, it's too bad they didn't put it on his jersey. Um, that would have been cool, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, played played for a few years, but pretty unremarkable career. Um, he was out of the league by the time he uh, was twenty-seven years old. Uh, not not a ton to say on, uh, on on Randy White, unless you you got something. No. Okay, so that uh, that that's going to wrap up our our, our discussion of uh, players who attended Louisiana Tech. And uh, we will be back in just a moment, and we'll discuss uh, how these rosters uh, match up against one another. And we're back to uh, wrap up this episode by going through our customary position-by-position breakdown of the two teams that we've discussed today. Uh, We've got Bowling Green and Louisiana Tech. We'll look at them position-by-position. Let's start off at the uh, the center spot, where we've got from Bowling Green, Rashawn Holmes, and from Louisiana Tech, Mike Green. Which way did you go there, bud? Ooh. Okay, I'm gonna go with um, Mike Green. Mike Green, yeah. What's your, what's your logic there? I mean, I could see you uh, having to think that one over. Yeah, Mike Green just has played played longer than um, Rashawn Holmes has, and I think he's a um, better overall player. Yeah, it's interesting with uh, some of these uh, some of these ca- uh, categorizations, like where we put these guys by position. I mean, you could go a few different directions and probably. Um, you know, might come out with some different results depending on how you stack these guys up. All right, so that gives uh, a Louisiana Tech a one nothing edge here. How about at power forward where we've got Nate Thurmond of Bowling Green 
and P.J. Brown of Louisiana Tech. I got to go Nate Thurman. Yeah, just Hall of Famer. Um, I mean, P.J. Brown was a great player, but. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I think Nate Thurman had more of an impact over his career than uh, than P.J. Brown, although P.J. Brown certainly very respectable in his own right. So that would even things up at one and one. How about at the small forward? This is going to be a tough one where you got Walter Piatkowski of uh, Bowling Green up against Carl Malone of Louisiana Tech. Come on. Yeah, uh, he's a lot better for sure. Um, Carl Malone, an easy victor there. Probably, I mean, pretty clearly the best player we're discussing in this episode, I would say. Yes, Nate Thurman probably number two. Yeah, I, t- I tend to agree with that. So so that would uh, put it at 2-1 for Louisiana Tech. How about we look at, uh, at shooting guard where we've got Antonio Daniels of Bowling Green and Paul Millsap of Louisiana Tech. Um, probably Paul Millsap. Yeah, I think that one's pretty pretty clear cut. I don't think Antonio Daniels ever really had even one season as good as Paul Millsap has, you know, been over the course of his career. So yeah, I mean, Paul Millsap playing way out of position, more so than Antonio Daniels to be sure. But um, that gives a Louisiana Tech a three-one edge. And at uh, at point guard, this is quite a matchup. Uh, point guard for Bowling Green, Howard Comives against uh, Louisiana Tech's Jackie Moreland. Uh, you gotta go with Jackie Moreland. <laughs> yeah, I think you do. Even <laughs> though, uh, yeah, uh, Howard Comives just not uh, not really up to the up to the task. Jackie Moreland played uh, some more useful uh, NBA and ABA minutes than uh, than did Howard Howard Comives, but you know, kind of uh, scraping in the bottom of the barrel in terms of uh, these matchups. When we're talking about that one right there, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so that that's gonna put it at a four-one edge for uh, Louisiana Tech as you look at this matchup by matchup. Is that how you think it would play out if these teams actually uh, suited up in round ball? Yes. Yeah. What's your uh, What's your logic there? I mean, I agree with you. Um, they have like three great, great players. Yeah, I mean, Louisiana Tech really for a school that has only had eight players uh, make the NBA, pretty high quality group of, uh, of eight players. I would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hard, hard to hard to deny that. All right, so I think uh, yeah, Louisiana Tech gets the edge, and this has been uh, has been fun uh, discussing some uh, lower rung uh, colleges in terms of uh, number of NBA players produced, Bowling Green and uh, Louisiana Tech. Thanks, uh, thanks very much for joining us, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on the next next episode. And if you're enjoying, please leave a rating, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, we're continuing to uh, make our way out to uh, more and more platforms. I know I keep saying that, but uh, it, it, it's true. We're on uh, on Breaker, on Spotify, on Podknife, on um, Google Podcasts, on Anchor, and uh, we'll be other places as, uh, as the days roll on. So uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Bye.